2: I'm Helen and I'm Sarah, and this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly podcast to help you with your career development. With the ins, outs, ups, and downs of work, we want to be a helpful source of support for you in your career. And if you would like some more support beyond this episode, there's lots of other things that we have got to help you. You can join us in Pod Plus, which is a weekly conversation for 30 minutes every Thursday morning at nine o'clock. It is free and it's a community of people who just dive a bit deeper into the topic that we've been discussing discussing uh, you can download our pod sheets their summaries of whatever we talk about lots of coach yourself questions and a lot of the resources that we mention are there as well and all those things and links to our pod mail which is a weekly email which has everything in it are all in the show notes for this episode and if you ever can't find any of those resources you can
3: just email us at helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and this week's topic is how to work with different people And I don't think this is something that any of us find easier. And spoiler alert, there's no formula for success that if we do X, Y, Z, it equals brilliant relationships all of the time. But we thought it was helpful to do a bit of a deep dive into difference, because we're all working on lots more projects, different people who have different experiences to us. We're often sort of changing the people that we work with more frequently. So this idea of building brilliant relationships i think has always been important in our careers but particularly now in squiggly careers where we are doing so many more different things with so many different people this just feels like something where if you can understand what this looks like for you and also understand other people better it can only ever be a helpful thing as part of your squiggly career
2: and probably a good starting point is, if you don't already know, because you're not a regular listener, Sarah and I are very different to each other. So we'll probably use some of our differences to, <laughs> to bring to life how we have found ways to work together effectively, but also at points in times where that difference can create difficulty and what we've done to overcome it. So we're going to draw on something that we created for You Coach You, which was all about the different ways that we show up at work. And we're going to talk them through so that first of all, you can understand a little bit about what makes you unique in terms of how you might work and what makes you different to other people, but then also to explore how that difference can affect how you build relationships with other people, both positively, but also when it can create some challenges. So first of all, we'll explore your difference, what makes you unique. Then we'll think about how that might impact the relationships that you build and the things that you might want to do differently as a result of your difference, if that isn't too much different in one one sentence.
3: And it is worth saying that as we go through these profiles They are particularly based on some of the behaviours that might happen when we are put under pressure. So perhaps not us at our best, so worth remembering that. And also we're not trying to put people in boxes or give people labels because I never think that is particularly useful. I'm always a bit wary of anything that sort of tells you you are a certain thing because that feels quite fixed and that almost... We can't adapt and learn and grow and do things differently, which we know is true and certainly true of all of our listeners. but it's I think often when you have got difference, it is worth sometimes figuring out when that difference can create friction or challenging conversations or even you know it could go as far as conflict, and if we're really going to figure out how to build lots of different sorts of brilliant relationships. It's you know, almost like the spiky moments that feel particularly tough can be a good place to start to get data for your development, I would say.
2: Well, I think as well in those points of pressure in our work, it's often when the difference stands out yeah, the most, isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, day to day, we're all kind of chatting, collaborating, exploring, and then, you know, it's all quite nice Being conversation. Being our brilliant <laughs> selves. Being our brilliant selves, everybody. But it's actually, I think, when there's a time pressure or the decision that needs to be made that you actually go, oh, we are coming at this from quite a different perspective. And I think it's when the difference is a much more distinct. So that's why when we talk about the profiles, we've tried to pick those moments when the difference is most distinct so that you can identify with it a bit more easily so should we take it in turns to talk them through go on then go for it okay so the first profile and as we talk them through just be thinking about which one sounds like me or feels, which feels like most me. familiar for you <laughs> yeah. yeah so the first one is the heated hexagon so if this one feels like you Behaviours that you might be able to spot in yourself are when you might get a bit fixed on a certain way of doing something or a perspective that you might have. It's almost like you kind of get to your answer is the right answer. Or you might recognise that you have a tendency to act first and listen later. Or perhaps you feel yourself prioritising progress over other people. And at times, at this can be you being a bit snappy or impatient, or quite demanding of other people. Sarah is <laughs> just... laughing. Go oh, on, why are you
3: laughing? Why are you laughing? Because we're in the same room together today, which sometimes makes a difference, but you actually sent me a WhatsApp message today saying, I'm not being snappy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's sort of when you deny the behaviour, like, I'm not snapping. Honestly, I'm not snapping. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> when you wrote i'm just thinking because you'd written that bullet point snappy and i was like you've literally used that in a a sentence on a whatsapp message hashtag snappy not snappy yeah
2: (laughs) you should definitely use that one again
3: and also the what it sometimes sounds like you've described it as um well it might sound like i'm like what do you mean it might sound like you're basically just describing the things that you say we're overthinking this we need to move on let's make some progress (laughs) <laughs> um, so at times everybody I think I might
2: I might possibly be a heated hexagon. That's not why we've gone with that one first, but I think me under pressure defaults my difference is most distinct in being a heated he- hexagon. So that's me.
3: Where well, should we go to you next Sarah? Are You just going to yeah. talk
2: objectively about a different one? Yeah, do you want,
3: do you want me to do my one or do, do you just do a different keep one? Yeah, it, keep it. Okay, I'll just do a different one. So we'll, we'll get to we'll get to my one. But the next one we've called the database diamond. And when you are working with database diamonds, some of the behaviours you might spot when they're at their points of pressure is they really interrogate information. So they deep dive into data and details. You know, sort of they kind of keep digging often and maybe prioritise sometimes evidence over empathy. So again, a bit less about people and a bit more about, well, you know, show me the facts. Maybe facts over feelings is another way, good way to think about that. They can be quite stubborn and sometimes store progress, maybe not prepared to kind of move on until they get the data they're looking for. And you often hear database diamonds almost request quite directly, well, you know, where's your proof? Where's the evidence for that? What's the data? You know, we need, we need to understand this better before we just, you know, jump into a decision. Very different to the heated hexagons, but people, you know, who just look for that, information quite information based quite fact based i think and that can become you know we can all see how these things are really useful but under pressure that can become unhelpful because they sort of get stuck on that that deep diving i think for detail
2: And so you might start to note as we talk about the third profile, which is the talkative triangle, that all these profiles have a shape, which we will explain why in a second, but just go with it for now. So the third profile is the talkative triangle. And if this is you, what you might spot is that in a time when there's pressure or there's things that have got to be done quite quickly, you might talk a bit too much and a bit too fast and you might get excited which is not always a bad thing but sometimes that excitement can come across as being quite emotional in a situation which can perhaps turn some database diamonds off (laughs) who might not resonate with that because what you tend to do is the opposite of a database diamond you're prioritizing feelings over facts whereas as Sarah said they're the other way around and you often have quite strong opinions which you share quite freely and you can sometimes get a bit defensive or even sort of destructive really in a conversation if you're feeling excluded like you would speak up if you felt like it wasn't going the way that you wanted it to and that might make other people feel uncomfortable in that situation and because you are feeling first you might say things like oh you don't understand me or you don't understand what i'm trying to do here like you you kind of lead with that feeling or you might be a little bit dramatic so this this is a bit of a disaster in fact you probably wouldn't even say this is a bit of a disaster you'd be like this is disastrous it's awful it's those sort of emotions that really you would put first
3: into the conversation Maybe a bit of catastrophizing. Yeah. I think people would recognize that in themselves. You know, that sort of you sort of spiral quite quickly out of control in terms of the implications of something. And it all just gets, you know, like almost like everything's an emergency. Yes. And you really see talkative triangles stress. You know, it's not it's not hidden under the surface. You sort of you it all kind of comes out. I think that talkativeness sort of radiates and has quite a big ripple effects, I think. So let's see the last one. Last but not least, and this is, this is my one, though I don't think we are just one of these. I think we might talk about this a bit more, but because, again, we're not trying to do a profile here, it's more about just recognising behaviours. The more I've thought about this, the more I've realised I'm definitely not one of these all of the time. One might feel most familiar for you, but then even as we've described another one today, I've thought... Oh, and I also do some of those things under pressure as well. So, you know, we're not just one thing. I've almost spotted more things that <laughs> I don't do well. Brilliant. So the last one is the consensus-seeking circle. So some of the behaviours you might spot when these people are put under pressure, a bit uncomfortable making decisions. So, you know, you go round in circles, hence the consensus-seeking circle, because it feels like, oh, maybe we should just consider someone else's point of view or someone else's perspective, Don't tend to like doing things spontaneously or on the spot or too fast. Really want consensus over questions. So as somebody who's sort of like this some of the time myself, you know you almost put harmony above asking good questions or making sure you've got everybody's point of view because you're so keen for everybody to get on, which sounds like I'm like, oh, I've just picked the nicest one. (laughs) But actually it's really destructive because the problem with consensus-seeking circles is people don't say what they think. And so what you can then do is actually be quite almost like political outside of conversations. And because you sort of withdraw under pressure, so you get passive aggressive. I think we've probably talked about this before, but, you know, like it sometimes sounds like, oh, well, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Yeah. And it's like, OK, well, you're clearly not happy. Anyone who says that, you're obviously not happy. Or you might just go, oh, I'm just not sure. I think we, we need to think about this a bit more. And I do say that quite a lot. Like, my partner would definitely be able... He gets frustrated because I'll say to him, I'm just going to think about that a bit. And he was like, well, when does the thinking end? He always, like, asks me. And he's a database diamond for sure. And he will say... He, like, kind of makes a joke of it, but he's like, yeah, but when when is that closing? When when does the thinking time close? And I suspect it's really frustrating. It can be quite frustrating to spend time with consensus-seeking circles if they're under pressure because you're not making any progress. And it just sort of feels, you know, almost, like, fakely nice. You like it's like... Oh, everyone's sort of like doing stuff and then no one's actually moving forward. But I don't actually think I'm a consensus circle all the time, but I recognise some of those behaviours. I think sometimes I actually do go into slightly into database diamond. Under pressure, I could give you examples over the last two weeks where that's happened.
2: I've seen it more. It's interesting, actually, like I've definitely seen it more in the past six months, mm. perhaps because our pressure has increased. Yeah. I've seen you kind of reverting to that, which is, I think this is just, first of all, this is a point of reflection for you. Like, what makes you different and when are you different is interesting. And so just to repeat the four profiles for you. So you've got the heated hexagon, the database diamond, the talkative triangle and the consensus seeking circle. What is useful, we think, for you to do now is to draw your shape. Like, so, for example, my shape would be a hexagon can be quite heated as we talked about under certain situations but probably with a bit of triangle I would do myself <laughs> like a
3: smaller triangle yes. but a bigger hexagon yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go,
2: my, my lead shape would be that hexagon and all the, the challenges that come with that sometimes and also that talkative triangle like when I get a bit too excited and I'm trying to almost push things through with my energy rather than my empathy would be kind of what I
3: would think about so if you were to draw your shape
2: or shape Sarah what would you do so I would draw
3: a circle almost like With a small diamond in it, Mm -hmm. but maybe a diamond to your point that is getting bigger, which is interesting. Mm. You know, it's like, especially as well for somebody who like isn't very database generally. It's like an interest. It's not a skill set that I have. I find it interesting. I think the consensus seeking circle, the circle is getting smaller and the diamond is getting Mm -hmm. bigger, Um, because I think we do change, and also we also react to our surroundings and our situation. So I think to your point, I am. I am almost shifting, and as we've said, this is not necessarily us at our best, I think I'm shifting in response a little bit to what I'm experiencing in our organisation. And that's, whereas I think when I was in really big companies, my consensus, you can circle was definitely bigger. And I don't even think I would have recognised Database Diamond. I think I was surrounded by people who were so Database diamonds. I'd be like, well, I'm a million miles away from that. But in my world today, that there, yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm always changing shape. Oh. It's fascinating. <laughs> Okay,
2: so hopefully you've now got an idea of your shape, which could be a a combination of shapes, a diamond within a circle or whatever, (laughs) whatever whatever it might look like. So now we've got a better idea of you and your difference. And what the next thing to do is understand a bit more about people who you work with that are different to you. So what we want to do is think about who is one person that you work with at the moment who is most different to you and as we said Sarah and I are going to use that because we are we are kind of such different in terms of how we show up at work and and the things that we kind of bring to our work so hopefully it'll be a useful way of bringing this to life now we've already talked about why sometimes that difference might make it hard so for example Sarah's need for data or consensus seeking approach might go against me when I'm in hot-headed hexagon mode we already understand a little bit about what might make that difference hard but what we want to think a bit more about is why it can be helpful because actually if we all thought the same and behaved the same it wouldn't lead to better decisions it would lead to a giant big echo chamber that would start to hold us back in our career so difference can be really helpful but we need to appreciate it a little bit more so think about first of all who is that person who is most different to you at work and then why could that difference be helpful So should we do this for each other, Sarah?
3: Yeah, go on then. Do you want me to go first with you? Why is your you're you're like give me some positive feedback? (laughs) So and also I think the reason this is good to do is so often I think we default to that person that you'll all be thinking of now who is very different to you. I think we default to why it's hard Mm. because that's probably what we've experienced. You know, like I'll think, well, I've experienced when you want to speed up and I want to slow down, like, oh, and it's hard. And, And we get kind of almost get stuck in the kind of the negative loops around difference. So I think it's really nice to reframe the starting point with going, when is that difference incredibly helpful? Like, when is that difference at its best you know what does that look like sound like when have you seen that not just in the hard moments it's almost like encouraging it rather than avoiding it yes it's like
1: yeah
2: it's not going to be beneficial all the time but there are understanding when it's really helpful means you can use it more positively
3: So now to be really clear about how do we make the most of that difference, for heated hexagons and talkative triangles, sort of two top tips for both. So if I'm not a heated hexagon, but I'm working with a heated hexagon, so that's what's different about the person that I want to build a better relationship with, what are two things I could do to improve that relationship? The first one is to involve early, have clear objectives and update often. So heated hexagons want to be part of the picture. They want to contribute. Helen was actually saying to me as we were chatting this through, like, bring me in at the start of the end. So not bothered about the messy middle. Fair enough. And so, you know, you think, but people, they like to feel like they understand the progress, but they probably want to be particularly involved at that start. And if you don't involve someone soon enough, it could be quite destructive. So involve early and also get them very kind of clear on objectives, what you're trying to do and by when. Second, keep things short, simple, specific. And I am talking from experience, listeners. Short meetings, be clear beforehand about what you need to say and what order. I honestly sometimes will record a voice message for Helen on WhatsApp, delete it, having sent it, and re-record it, because I'll think that is not short, simple, and specific enough for her. And then I don't believe that she'll listen to it all the way through to the end. So you know, that's just one example of that in action.
2: And honest feedback back. I, I sometimes think they're still too long. Never never short enough, everyone, never short enough.
3: Yeah, I do you know what I can totally imagine that. I sometimes even think Oh, that's going to be too long, but I can't be bothered to do it again. So she's, she's either going to listen to it or not, or I use it for my own thinking. So I listen to it on like... times
2: two speed, so that's sometimes Oh my God, helps. do you really? Yeah.
3: Oh my God, right, let's move on, because that's horrendous. So talkative triangles, and I think I have worked for the odd talkative triangle, and I actually do really appreciate what they can bring. So I think one idea for action is give talkative triangles the space to be talkative so we don't want to shut them down because they bring energy and they bring the care and commitment but signal to them what is out of their remit so talkative triangles often respond well to really clear roles and responsibilities so it's almost signaling this is your space this is sort of this is your moment give talkative triangles their moment to shine and our second idea for talkative triangles is be proactive about bringing them in when things are feeling flat or when you've got a bit stuck. Like almost make the most of giving them a moment because I have seen talkative triangles. They can sort of turn up at any place, any time, and they sort of bring this sort of just sense of enthusiasm and op- they're often quite optimistic mm. And because they feel things They'll feel it's flat, but they don't want it to stay that way. So, again, thinking about making the most of their difference, I honestly once work for one person who I swear, I could have put her in, like, any situation. She didn't need to know any context. Yeah. And she the ripples of just, like, people suddenly want, feeling like they wanted to be there a bit more, everyone just enjoyed it a bit more, more smiling. You know, Even just, like, the more, like, upbeat smiles, people probably laughing, having a bit more fun they bring a sense of fun and feelings. And so notice if you've got projects or meetings or work where you're like, I feel like I just need a bit of that brilliance. I think don't be afraid to sort of quite spontaneously get them involved. For Someone like me, it's something spontaneous like that it would feel like my worst nightmare. I'd ask loads of questions. I'd be like, what do you need? And why are we doing that? I think talkative triangles can often just turn up and just contribute and be brilliant. I
2: like the two points there. Like, give them a moment because they're going to want one because they they like to have their yeah. moment. But then make the most of it yeah. by thinking about when that moment is going to be best for everybody. Is a really really good point.
3: So, God, then you could switch <laughs> over. Though so I surprised. feel like I've been I feel like I'm I've been ready, really really I'm nice to you today. To, <laughs> I'm ready to I'm ready to receive. Why it's so good to be a sort of increasingly database diamond in a. Decreasing consensus seeker circle.
2: Okay, so, there are, so the two more the two profiles left then are those ones that Sarah just mentioned, and I'm gonna think about how you can make the most of that difference. So let's start with the Sarah's increasing database diamond. Yes. Um so database diamonds are absolutely brilliant for getting to better decisions because they will bring you really rich insights that are informed by data and not just opinion. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for that input. (laughs) Um, And so one way in which you can really get the most out of those database diamonds is help them to understand the problem you're trying to solve and what the priority data that you need is. The risk is they just keep digging around data because they love it and they find it interesting, but it stops being insightful for you after a certain point. But if you can just frame it a little bit for them, uh, the problem I'm trying to solve at the moment is... And these are the priority data points I think I need. They might come back and challenge you with some other things, but just giving them a little bit of a frame to work within can stop them kind of going off all over the place with their their digging around data. And the other thing that you can often help a database diamond with to really increase their impact is you can help them connect the data dots so that they can see the bigger picture. Because sometimes they can just collect lots of discrete bits of data and each bit individually could be quite interesting, but it might not really help people collectively Sort of see what the story is behind it, but you can do that for them. You can help them connect those data dots so that they can see and also sell the bigger story to people about what does this actually mean? What could we do better because of this information? And when you're doing that, you're actually using their time a lot more efficiently, but you're also helping them to have
3: more impact from the work that they've done.
2: Would you see that in yourself, Sarah?
3: Let's say the second one, I think, because fundamentally I'm not a proper database diamond, like, you know, and there are some people I'm like who are very good at this. And I think the connecting the data dots, see the picture, when I've worked with people before who are much more like this, sometimes maybe they don't feel valued. Mm. I have I have seen that because it's like, oh, well, people dismiss me maybe because I like the data and I like the facts. And I'm like, well, no, that's really useful as long as we make it useful, as long as we figure out where the insight is here and what the so what is. So I think just sometimes just, A, it helps to increase that individual's impact but also it helps you to have that sense of togetherness because you know sometimes I think with making the most of difference again we said you start with the difference whereas and you know this is a classic sort of building brilliant relationships type tool is going well what are we sharing what are we trying to achieve together what do we have in common and what you might have in common is well together we're trying to achieve this goal or this objective we're just bringing our different selves to that and so let's make the most of that i think that problem priority data would always really helps me because to your point i can i can also get a bit um sporadic and be like well, what about this data point what about that data point what about that data point whereas if someone's very clear with me and says well this is the problem we're trying to solve or this is the opportunity we want to explore and here are the three bits of data that are the best ways for us to get a feel for are we making progress i'll be like okay good like keep a updating me on that day, it would stop me just asking for like periphery stuff that isn't that helpful. I
2: feel like we would make better decisions as well. If I'm in heated hexagon mode which is, you know, I'm trying to
3: move it forward fast and get it done
2: quickly. And if you were also in database diamond mode, like if I was really clear about that this is the information I think we need to make this decision, it would be like your data would be really useful in that moment. So you would probably feel like you, like that was a useful input that you'd had and I would be able to make a better decision or recommendation because of it. So actually those two things coming together at a point, a point of time that we might recognise was quite a pressure point for us could probably help us
3: both to feel quite useful. Yeah, agree, because I think at the moment sometimes we do the opposite. So it would be nice to do the uh, the positive thing that we've just described uh, versus going... We haven't got the data, so I want to slow us down. You, therefore, want to sort of go twice as fast. And then, yeah, sort of between us, we both just get a bit frustrated. So let's try, let's try the other one. Let's try the other one.
2: But I guess for everyone
3: listening, rather just therapy for us in
2: our business, like thinking about where are those points of pressure, because that is when it might feel difficult, and think about, okay, well, if that's a pressure point, like a decision we've got coming up or a deadline that's imminent, then actually how could we be both better because of it like mm. Helen in heated hexagon mode and Sarah if you were going to put yourself more towards database diamond how could we leverage that so that in that mode that was helpful and it didn't
3: hold us back yeah it's sort of that one plus one equals three yes and I really like the idea of being specific about the situations because I think for lots of the time with us together one plus one does equal three because that's us at our best but probably when we're under pressure, it doesn't. Mm. Whereas if you, to your point, if you could specifically go, well, what are the pressure points that we can spot? Like yeah, sometimes you can deadline, see them. Like a manuscript yeah. has got to
2: be in. We would know that would be really hard and we could start to create a bit of conflict. But if we said, well, look, you at your best at that deadline, Helen, is going to be, like, moving us forward fast and you might say, well, let's get some input from other people on what are the best chapters and we'll use that insight to make the decision. Like, it would help us much more and we could preempt that point in time.
3: Yeah, I think that would be really smart. It's like where we started with pressure points, like, spot the pressure points and then almost set yourself the challenge to be even better because of them. Yeah. Which actually also feels quite, not, I mean, fun, might be a stretch, but you're like, but it it does feel like a real... You know, almost like an opportunity to really learn. You know, we talk about create, don't wait for challenge. And you want to spend more time in your challenge learning zone or your courage learning zone? For me, I sort of go, I would look forward to those pressure point moments a bit more if I just saw them as a, oh, that's when we're really going to challenge ourselves mm. to be even better versus just thinking, this is really stressful. Yeah, I know this is going to be a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> there's got to be a better way of looking at it. The fourth profile then was
2: the Consensus Seeking Circle. And they are brilliant because they help people to feel included. They are amazing at kind of getting other people's perspectives and insights, but we know at times that can loop round a little bit. So in order to get the best out of a consensus seeking circle, Think about scenario planning and how you can use that in a really constructive way. Like if you can give them some scenarios for certain situations, like maybe you're looking at, uh, I don't know, planning your business over the next couple of months or what the team's working on. If you can get them to think about like, what are we missing? What else could we explore? They will be brilliant at putting that perspective into the discussion and they'll enjoy doing it as well. The other thing that you can do with a consensus seeking circle to get the best out of them is give them a little bit of a scale so that they can focus on progress rather than perfection. So because they like consensus, sometimes what they will be looking for is the perfect solution. So a solution where everybody agrees, we're all aligned and everyone's happy. And that is rarely the outcome that we're going to get to because, you know, we've got four different profiles here and everyone's doing different things at different times. So the idea that we're all going to be completely happy all of the time is perhaps a little bit unrealistic. But what you can do is give them a bit of a scale. So you can say on a scale of one to 10, like how much consensus collaboration connection whatever the thing that they're aiming for Like, where were we at today in your opinion in terms of this scale and they might be like four out of ten I don't think we discussed all the points I don't think we've got everybody involved the aim really is to say well okay over the next month or whatever the time frame is how could we go from a four to a six what would that look like Now, that gives them a bit of control over improving things, making progress, moving things forward without their aim being perfection. Because if the aim is perfection, you'll never stop seeking consensus, which means that you'll never really move things forward. But if you can get them to focus on during this period of time, what could a bit better look like and how could we take control of that collectively, then it can often feel rewarding for them and it means that you'll be much more able to move things forward.
3: Yeah, and I think anchoring that progress to priorities when you're thinking about that scale probably makes that even better because it's not progress for progress sake. You're being very clear with the consensus seeking circle. Well, our top two priorities for this quarter as a team are one and two. We're at a four at the moment. How do we get to a six on priorities one and two? Because I think sometimes, and I recognize this behavior in myself, you sort of want the same levels of consensus all of the time for everything. So, you know, you're almost like, because it's, you know, some of these, these are like personality traits. They're sort of who we all mm. are in some way. And so almost like, I don't care whether something's really important or not very important. I sort of always want everyone to always to get on. And I find disagreement, you know, hard and always quite uncomfortable. So my ideal world is always consensus all of the time, but you've got to learn to let that go. And I think sometimes consensus seeking circles need help to let that go, to know mm. that it is okay to not all agree. And that doesn't mean it's not going to work or that we can't do good work. It's not a disaster if everyone doesn't agree all of the time. And I think that's probably why my circle has got smaller is because over time I have figured that out. I've figured out, like, oh, it's okay for you and I to disagree some of the time. Whereas I think probably two years ago where we were really working together for the first time with, like, so much intensity, I remember when you and I sort of disagreed, like, almost, like, more frequently in the early days of Amazing If a couple of years ago, I found that much, much harder than I do now. Because yeah. now I feel like I'm getting really used to it. <laughs> I don't know what that says about our business probably falling apart slightly at the seams. But I am so much more used to it. I just sort of go, oh, okay, I feel like it's fine because we're, maybe we're a four, we just need to get to a six for now. It's just easier because I think we have done a good job of kind of practicing that, well, let's make progress versus priorities. And you've helped me to learn to let go of you know, when we disagree, it's OK, it's, it's not a disaster. Whereas early days, I was like, oh, my God, is this the end?
2: <laughs> not yet. Um, <laughs> no, no, not yet. yet. Not yet. No, no. <laughs> telling no, but I, I also now see that almost everything that we have done, where there has been some level of different slash disagreement, but in the way that we would disagree, everything has been better because of it. Whether that's yeah. writing a book or the design of a session or anything everything's been better because of it and so i I think i have that confidence in that we can have the conversation and and then the outcome be better so let's just summarize what we've talked through because there's quite a few things that we've touched on so the first thing that we talked about was identifying what makes you different and then maybe visualizing that by drawing your shape and that could be a collection of shapes like we we had The second thing was about understanding the people that you work with and their points of difference too. So maybe draw their shapes as well. But for them, really focus on what's brilliant about what makes them different. What's the positive impact that they can bring? And then really focus on how you get the best out of them. So we talked about those two top tips And then I guess that final insight that we got to through the course of the conversation was really take those potential pressure points that you might be able to see in advance of them being part of your work and think about, well, how could you use that point in time as a bit of a challenge for you to do things differently, to make sure that everyone is showing up at their best and you're helping bring that out in different people.
3: And you know the other thing I think has really helped us, just as we've described this day and had this conversation, is being able to talk about it openly so rather than feeling like that difference is unsaid i think if you can have conversations with your colleagues to almost talk about oh well you know you don't have to use the consensus seeking circle cuz that could be a bit weird if people have not listened to the podcast but you know almost like sometimes acknowledging and saying some of these things out loud you know like i kind of often say to people i always like really like it when people get on and i find disagreement a bit more difficult i think sometimes signalling that to other people and encouraging that openness then also makes it easier because you can, A, you can, in those pressure points, recognise it. You can probably have more open conversations. You can almost work through and make the most of the difference together because this is not just one person's job, right? It's not like, oh, one person does all the work here. This is something you ideally want to do as a duo or as a small group, depending on how you're thinking about this. I was thinking the other thing that I think has made a real difference for us is actually because we know each other so well and you it links again to high trust teams, because mm-hmm. you're in an environment of safety and security, you can also have these kinds of conversations. I think where you can't, that makes this particularly hard to do. So probably another good one to think about if you're thinking about um this for your team or connecting dots with other topics would be to think about have I got a high trust team or have we got a high trust relationship as the starting point to then have these kind of conversations.
2: And we'll put the link to the podcast episode we did on high trust teams and also the summary of these shapes and how they show up and all those things. We'll put it all in the pod sheet so that hopefully if this is something that you want to take action with
3: after listening today, you've got all of that information there ready for you to go with it. So that's everything for this week. We hope that will help you to make the most of difference across all of your different relationships. Do let us know your feedback, what's worked, what hasn't worked and any of the topics you'd like us to cover. We're always really open to hear from you and we love to get your ratings, reviews, subscribing. If you have five minutes to do that, we always really appreciate it. But that's everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone.